Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Angela O'Brien, who is the founder and designer behind Cali-based sustainable fashion brand, Cleo Bella. Cleo Bella's production relies heavily on artisans around the world, so I wanted to ask Angela about the brand's unique experience with the current supply chain obstacles. I also wanted to ask her about its current sales channel mix, as when we last spoke in April of 2020, canceled wholesale orders were taking her off to say the least. Welcome, Angela. Thank you for having me, Jill. I'm so happy to catch up and to have you here. So for those who don't know the brand well, uh, tell us a little bit about it. It started in 20, 2008, correct? Correct. Correct. Got it. Yeah. Cleo Bella is globally inspired, ethically handmade. And I started this journey more than a decade ago. My husband and I, we left our jobs in Southern California and we did a trip around the world for a year which was fantastic. And he's a big surfer. So we chased waves and we lived in a camper van in Europe and we traveled all through Southeast Asia and Africa, Australia, New Zealand. And it really uh, was this freedom that we felt that we wanted more of. And so the idea was, how do we create a business and keep this journey going? So uh, we're really grateful for that part of the story. And uh, fast forward where we are today, we can't even believe that we get to keep living this dream come true. Yes. Based in LA or California, but but not, not year round. Where are you guys located? So we live in Bali and we have for the last 14 years. We have a home there. We have two children who are 11 and 7, and they do a homeschool hybrid program where when we're in the West Coast, they're here, and then they travel with us and do their schooling over there at a lot of nature-based schools. And Bali has been such a gift to our family. I feel like it's really grown us personally and professionally. We have access to so many inspiring people who are also entrepreneurs and creators. And we have an extended family of artisans that have really, really are the reason why Cleobella is here today. Families that we've worked with from day one. Um, Yanti, who I met in 2006 on our trip around the world, still works in the village with her family, making a collection every season. We work with Mo and Aaliyah, who make all of our hand-tooled Mexicana clutches, and they've been with us since day one. And and we love that part of our story, really seeing the economic stability that um, we're able to bring through our work and through designing Cleo Bella and, and having that kind of multicultural uh, design aesthetic throughout the brand. We travel a lot through Southeast Asia when we're in Bali, whether we're going to Thailand or India. Travel is at the core of who we are. And we we just we just love that we're able to bring back unique designs and have that that global aesthetic that's very much the handprint of Cleo Bella. Yeah. I guess what percentage of your inventory of your product are you making in Bali with the artisans? Where else are you producing? Um, obviously, that enables much sustainability. You know where it's happening. You know there's nothing shady going down. But um, yeah, how are you able to ensure sustainability throughout production? Walk me through it. Yeah, well, we have strict ethical trade agreements that all of our partners sign and withhold. And 
India, where we do a majority of our production, we have a team on the ground in India who makes sure that all of this is enforced. And we also work with third-party auditors that come into all the factories at all levels of the supply chain. It's really important to us that we visit each factory and that we build a personal relationship based on everyone's expertise. I mean, we have women-owned factories. We have factories that are a little bit larger, that there's a lot of men working. It it's really depends on the specialty. We have multiple factories set up in Jaipur and Rajasthan where we do our slow process hand woodblock printing. And that's been a signature uh, with Cleo Bella from day one. I love India. And I've always, as a young girl, I dreamed of India because I have an aunt who traveled all throughout India in the, in the 70s. She traveled to Rishikesh where yoga was founded. And I just remember hearing her stories and and dreaming about what that would be like if I could go there one day. So in the very early days of Cleobella, uh, we traveled to India and I brought back some recycled sari skirts that were made from local women in the villages. And I sold them at markets here in the U.S. And it really was part of the birth of Cleobella, which is so exciting. So India has my heart and I would say majority of the production is now in India because one, we love traveling there. One, we have really, two, we have really wonderful partners and and we have access to the kind of fabric fabrics that are made there. So all of our cotton is got certified organic cotton. So we can trace it all the way back to the farmers in South India and in all, um, all areas of the supply chain, which is really important to us. All of our packaging is biodegradable or made from recycled material. And all of that can be done in India where there's some countries that you work in and it has to be flown in from other countries. So that's been a big part of why we've grown in India. For those who don't know, again, because um, of the local, I guess, approach, this is not a small, you may be, you know, started by a family, but this is not like a small family business. You have scaled this and you're able to work with these artisans and do it sustainably. Um, talk about the size of the business um, and how you've grown since 2008. Sure, sure. Well, we've grown 200% year over year um, in our, our D2C business, which is really exciting for us. And I would say prior to the pandemic, 80% of our business was in, in wholesale. We sell to over 550 small specialty boutiques. You can find us at Revolve, at ShopBob, Nordstrom's, Neiman's, Saks. Uh, we have wonderful partners and we're growing our international business. We really believe in quality over quantity. And so we're very particular on who we partner with and how our messaging is conveyed. What I love about growing our D2C business is that we can really get in there and speak directly to our customers, tell them our story. Uh, and I and I really believe that they value that and that's important to them. And so you know, seeing analytics and and offering exclusive um, product and giving a great value for for what we're what we're building. 
Yeah. And so, so yeah, the company continues to grow and, you know, we've just had, we just came off of a great Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale. It was about 400% year over year growth, which is tremendous. And we're having a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. Congrats. What was your approach to Black Friday, Cyber Monday? Was it a sales promotion? Did you you do something different than last year? Well, we decided that we weren't going to have any sales all year, except the one sale at the end of the year. And this is strategic because having a business that's cut to order and the importance of not having waste and overconsumption, we, every season we launched and we launched eight or we we launched 11 collections a year, we sold out. So the sellout just created a sense of urgency to our customer to buy the product because we're not interested in producing thousands and thousands of pieces per item. It's very particular. It's very special. Once we sell out, we might bring the dress back in a new print or a new, you know, style, but, but for the most part, it's, it's very special and and that's it. And then we move on to the next collection. So that created uh, excitement about around the sale because it was our one time through the year. And, um, you know, we're building a larger fulfillment center in order to keep up with the demand and, and really trying to build, build out a great customer service team that can help with any questions that the customer has. So all of that is happening quickly and growing pains are real. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I mean, you're, you're moving in the right direction there. Are all of your direct sales, is that all happening online? What's been your approach to physical retail? Well, so because we started our business with um, no funding, my husband and I own Cleobella ourselves 100%, we've had to make very strategic, slow moves. And when we first started the company, we were living in Asia, working closely with our partners, and then back to California, running the business out of our home. So it was very grassroots, shipping out of the garage, and then... I found a little boutique in Sunset Beach, which is a 1920s cottage. And I, we had enough money. This was, you know, I don't know, two years after the business was birthed to have a physical store in the front and a, in a, you know, operations and sales and everything out the back. And that was our stepping stone to grow the business. And shortly after that, the company grew tremendously and we moved to an operations headquarter up the street. So with that said, we have kept the physical location as our one and only brick and mortar. And I love it because I really feel like it connects me with a sense of community. We have events there. We really get the feedback from our local customers and they come back season over season and give us advice on what they like and what's working for them. And I would love to say in the next three years that we'll be rolling out a brick and mortar plan. We've had lots of opportunities. We just know that there's still so much room for growth in our in our e-commerce business. And that's where we're putting our energy right now. We've been taught in Bali this process of step-by-step. And I love that that has been our journey because we haven't had large funding behind us. We've had to be profitable every year because that profit turns back into future sales and future growth for the company. So it's it's a slow way of growing a business and 
It's been very rewarding. There's been times when it's been hard to pay the bills in the early days, but we're at a place now where we're really healthy and we have a wonderful team where we can make educated um, plans on what the future looks like. So the retail portion will, I could see that in the next three years when, when we, when we're ready. That's great. Well, you clearly have kind of a global approach to things. Are all of your customers in the States? Where are they? We have a big customer reach in Europe. I would say the most of our customers are within the U.S. We have a big West Coast, East Coast business. We're really growing in, um, we're really growing in Texas. We're really growing in, you know, the South. Uh, it, it's the growth this year is happening everywhere and we're just trying to keep up with it and, and still stay true to who we are with integrity. And, and that part is, um, is, is really exciting. What I love about the wholesale business is we can have projections for the future seasons to come, which helps really inform what we're giving our customers D to C. So, so right now we are booked out through spring of 2022 and we're now selling summer 2022 and the growth continues to blow out our expectations, which, which is really fantastic. And it helps us really plan and build a team in place that can help withstand this growth. So that's really what we're focusing on right now. Yes. Are you planning earlier than ever? How does your current, I guess, calendar compared to uh, years prior to the pandemic? Oh yeah, we the the planning. We've actually hired a strategic planner who's worked with large companies, and that's been something um, that we find is really going to help us navigate. You know, the pandemic is not over. I do feel optimistic about the events that we have in person planned for 2022. However, there is some strategic planning in place with our team here and afar in order to make sure that we have the product we need, the assortment we need, and we're really listening to our customers. So the planning is happening. A lot of times you make a plan, it doesn't always work out. <laughs> but I just know I looking back at the the wild time when we when we you know spoke in 2020 and, and there was so much concern, it was really a, a lesson in surrender. And I think it forced forced all of us to grow in ways that we would have never imagined. And my husband and I sat back thinking, okay, if this is over, it's been a wonderful ride. And if this is not, let's reimagine what the business could look like now as if we started all over. Yeah, And that's what we did. And and where we're at today, it's, it's really humbling to see... Uh, just to see the wonderful world that we've created within our team here on the West Coast and and our partners in India and Bali that have really stepped up and helped us come up with creative ways to get product on time. And um, and and that part feels really rewarding. I know we're going to have a wonderful holiday party this year, really celebrate all the success we've had. Well, you certainly pulled through. I would say it's night and day between the conversation that we had in <laughs> April of 2020 and now. And at the time, you know, you were dealing with all of those canceled orders and excess inventory. Um, and now, right now, you're speaking with um, to, I guess, fueling demand by by pulling back on on quantities. Uh, talk to me about that that pivot. Did did 
did one lead to the the other um and you're finding the success of it now um yeah how did your production change as a result of that or or your relationship with wholesale partners right i i'm i'm grateful for our wholesale partners and in the end we were able to come up with solutions for whoever was able to open could take the product back the most important thing to me was paying our artists and partners because how the industry works is we receive orders from our wholesalers. We pay a 30% deposit to our makers to begin production. When the product is received in our fulfillment center, we then pay the factories in full. And that's been our system. And that's how we've cash flowed the business forever. When everything shut down in 2020, nobody would take orders in. And we were sitting on most inventory we'd ever had because of that growth at that time. And I was in a state of desperation because I didn't know how I was going to pay our partners. And that was so important to me because, you know, we live there. We know what, what their lives are like. We know what kind of support that they get from their government. And it's a lot different from what we get here in the U.S., So coming up with a plan, even if we were paying them every five days that money was being generated from our D2C business, that's what we did. And we communicated with them so closely and they were really patient with us. And it wasn't long after that we were able to pay everybody in full. Unfortunately, we had to downsize our team here in California And we all had to wear many hats to rebuild. But where we're at today is we've hired everyone back and then some. And our partners, the relationship grew stronger. We are now making better margins than we ever have before because our D2C business has grown. And it it was 20% of our business prior to the pandemic. And now it's 40% of our business which is wonderful. And each wholesale and D2C, it all helps support the health of the company overall. We need both. And and I can say too, we've had this unbelievable blended ROAS of 8X um, for the last year and a half on our ad spend, which I think is a real testament to the product and the messaging of of what we're doing at Cleo Bella, and that's exciting. We only see that continuing to increase. So we're putting more investment into our 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 e-commerce experience. We're renovating the website. We are really trying to think about the customer first and meet her where she's at. So many women, we like to call it Cleo Bella in the wild when we see them <laughs> either out on the streets or you know how they uh, tag us through social media. You know, right now it's Christmas family photos. We have a Cleo Bella Littles collection where you can have a mommy and me matching moment. Uh, So many special occasions, whether it's, you know, we have a a bridal um, department that we build out with um, accessories for the bride, which has been... Oh my gosh. Really fun. So, so yeah, there's a lot more um, opportunities for us to continue to grow D2C while maintaining a healthy wholesale business and servicing those accounts and those local communities. Because I have to say, our local community here on the West Coast, they're supporting small businesses like ours. They're going into their local boutiques and that that is important. And that's here the state. And then that message continues to share the message of Cleo Bella. 
Yes. So much to unpack in that growth story from the last year and a half. First of all, is there an ideal um, breakdown as you see it between direct-to-consumer and wholesale? Is where you are a happy place? Or ideally, maybe it's 50-50 or 60-40? Our ideal is 50-50. And I believe in the next uh, two years, we'll be able to get there maybe sooner. While the e-commerce is building, the wholesale is also building. So, and you know, we're, we have strategic teams in all the areas to help us grow that. So uh, we'll see how that all plays out. But 50-50 seems healthy. And from what I've researched and studied in the market, but we're really being advised by experts who know a lot more than us. I am I was a baby when I started Cleo Bella. I was 25 and I'm going to be 40 soon. And I feel like I've grown up with this business and it's really grown me. I think the journey as an entrepreneur you learn so much about yourself and so much, so much of the values that are important to me and my family. We try to have that hold true throughout the business. And, and I would just encourage everyone to be an entrepreneur if you get the opportunity to. And I, I think nowadays too, everyone's looking for that, for the freedom, for, you know, because our world, the state of our world has changed yeah. so much. And, um, and I look forward to see where the next decade takes us. Yeah, I would love to know where you're um, able to, I don't know, even brainstorm or share ideas and where you're getting advice. It's funny, back when we talked, this is all ringing a bell, you said something that was really valid, even though it was at the height of the scary time. And so you might have said things you maybe don't mean, but you you had an idea about, you know, the the, the industry should pull together and there should be some sort of a union, like a PO or an order should be like a contract. Um, and, and yeah, there should be something there. First of all, do you see, still think something like that is necessary? It seems to make sense to me. It seems to make sense to me. It's That was the hardest part about building our business in the early days is orders were placed and we were financially responsible for them. And if at any time the wholesaler couldn't pay their bills, which happened many times. We were responsible and it almost tanked our business many times. And I, and that was a challenging way to start. And I know so many fashion businesses start with investment and that helps pull them through these challenging times. But a lot of industries, the way it works is you place an order for goods and you pay for it, you know, or you pay a deposit and you pay in full upon receipts. That would be wonderful. I I know this business has been around for a lot longer than I have, and this is the way it works. And it just, it creates a, a disadvantage to smaller designers like us when you're starting out on how to get in the market um, because of the insecurity. Where we are today, I believe that our wholesalers trust in us that we're going to be, that we deliver quality goods on time. So we haven't had a problem with receiving payment on goods sold. But I always think back to, to the makers because we're not a brand that just sends a design overseas and has it made and shipped to us. There's a heartbeat and a connection to everything we do. And these are real people. And when they're not paid for their hard work, they don't eat and that part is really real. And we've seen that firsthand. And there was, 
when we spoke back then, that was the reality and that was the conversations I was having with other factories and partners and it was dire. And I believe if the customer understood that and if that it would be a different story. So just transparency and really understanding all areas of the supply chain, it's happening now. The customer cares how her product is made, putting natural fibers on her skin, just like she puts natural organic food in her body. That is the new narrative. And once you know, once you're awake to that, you can't go backwards. So having that openness and telling the story of the people and the hands and the hearts that have made our product, that's what's most important to me. And that's building a legacy brand that's going to change generations. And it's it's really the message we have right now for the holidays. It's gifts that give. If you're shopping from more boutique brands, local artisans in your community, that's making a big difference. And we've seen that happen year over year. And I've personally been able to see that in the places that we work with. And that that just is just the most rewarding and that's what it's all about. And it's it's purpose, right? It's like we all want to connect to our 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 purpose, whatever that is. It's um, the careers that we have, the family we have. We all have a purpose. And I want to invest in brands that have that same value system. And we are striving to do the best we possibly can with our limited resources, being a small brand. But I'm seeing the bigger brands too, having this message and that's been um, the silver lining yes. <laughs> in all this. It's transparency. Yes. Well, you're yes. clearly you're clicking with the kind of current consumer mindset. Have you always? Uh, you've always had this great story. You've always, you know, I'm sure this was taking this art artisanal global approach was very much a differentiator when you guys started. Um, have you always led with the story? How are you able to tell the story in your marketing without maybe? overwhelming the shopper and and maybe yeah overshadowing your beautiful product what's the balance there how are you getting the story out I love that you mentioned the artisans names and their first names is that on your website what's happening there yeah you can see all of it on our website we've the story has been important to us from the beginning because we've lived overseas and and the people are I've, I've always connected to most I don't feel like we did as good of a job at telling the story until as of late. And we have a wonderful marketing team that is led by Taylor Lamb, and she has really helped us grow our business in ways that help support our wholesale business as well and has really grown our e-commerce. The new built-out website where there's video and there's imagery and there's a breakdown if the customer's interested, all of the uh, recycled biodegradable tags on our garments will say if it's handmade, if it's got certified organic cotton, and then there's more information that they can find on the website. Everything from recycled materials we use to um, every process is, uh, we try to tell that story. And it's always a part of the the pitch too in every new launch that we have too is, is design, you know, really informs that. And we make sure that we give that message to our sales team. Everything we do at Cleo Bella has been about the story. And that 
is meaningful to me. My mom's name is Cleo Bell. Oh, perfect. It's a family name. Yeah, it's a family name. And my great-grandmother's name was Cleo Bell. And I I do, um, I just, uh, you know, I, I like to um, be a part of things that have meaning. And, you know, I love that we're bu- building this strong, healthy family business that's rooted in strong women who I admire and I believe we're designing for that woman that's strong and, and, you know, however she's living her life on her personal journey. And, and, and that part makes it fun to go to work every day and to build this, this lifestyle brand. Totally. It sounds fun. Um, tell me about this marketing that, that's happening. You're, you're ramping up marketing. You've got this great new team. Uh, where are you investing? What platforms? What does the marketing plan look like? We're investing in video right now. We've just hired out a team to help us create more video content. That's been something that we've seen is obviously will continue to trend. Uh, we'll be doing a lot more events um, on the East Coast in 2022, which is exciting. We'll have a Hamptons Montauk event this summer coming up. So investing in in you know in person events with influencers that have a similar story to tell, um, who connect with our brand ethos catalogs or something that we're investing in, just creating beautiful content that we're proud of. We've always tried to do photo shoots on locations in different parts of the world. And that has become a little bit harder these days with traveling, but because we founded our story on travel and we love traveling, it's just an excuse to go somewhere and explore and being inspired by somewhere new. So a lot of new things to look forward to in 2022. Yes. Tell me about your work with influencers. Have they always been a part of that strategy? And what do you know about uh, their effectiveness or what works when you when working with them? Yes. Influencers have always been a part of our marketing strategy. We've never had a budget to pay influencers. And I know that that's a big part of our industry. It's something that we'll probably grow into in the next few years, but we really, it's important to us to build relationships with influencers that speak to the brand, see where their engagement is at. Do they have similar values to the brand? And we've done collaborations where we've designed product together. We've worked with Molly Sims, with Rocky Barnes, with, um, there's, there's multiple ones that we've known over the years. And a lot of times it's personal relationships. We have a program called our Clio Women Feature. And it's really an opportunity for us to meet and highlight incredible women. Most of them are founders of companies. They've written books. They're in the spiritual wellness world. They are into building sustainably made goods. And I would say my favorite part about this industry is connecting with other women in leadership roles. And I've met so many incredible women over the years. And when we have an opportunity to share them, share their story, send them Cleo Bella product and have them photographed with our team or their team in their element, it's just very relatable. And I love reading stories like that. My favorite thing to do on social media is girl crush on all these amazing women's lives and just celebrate each other. And, and, and that's been a, a big gift 
Yes. Well, Molly Sims, Rocky Barnes, this is not a Gen Z crowd. Are you going after a young audience? Who's your typical customer? Well, our customer has grown up with me, I would say. Uh, the last few years, we've really, really tried to clue into who our woman is. And she's not 25. Uh, she's more in her mid-30s to 50s. And she can afford Cleobella. She's interested in wearing timeless, wearable art. She's 25 if she's, you know, has a similar essence in the way that she has that mature sensibility. And because I have plenty of friends and family members that wear Cleobella. I mean, my grandmother, who's 89, wears Cleobella and she looks gorgeous in it. So we don't discriminate against any age, but we're really designing for that woman that's effortless, comfortable. She cares about planet and the people, and she's interested in building a feminine, timeless wardrobe. And And I really think that speaks to the woman of my age in her mid to late 30s. Yes. Well, as you're ramping up growth and seeing leaning into these opportunities, uh, are you taking the same, are, are you rethinking your, um, you know, fundraising approach thus far? Are, are you considering, um, yeah, raising more money? Money, I guess money. not more. <laughs> not more. Go ahead. Well, yeah, we've never raised any money. I mean, we started this business with $12,000 that we had in our savings and then everything we made, we put into it year over year. We do not plan on taking funding as of yet there could be a time when we get to that next level that it um, we would be open to the opportunity, but we're not there yet. We're building a healthy, sustainable business. And I have read a lot about brands who have these, you know, high uh, growth strategies with, um, with, you know, it, they're not profitable. And it, that's never been our message and our ne- never been our, our purpose. We want to build a healthy slow business that's sustainable, that's profitable. And um, and we'll see where the future takes us. We have a very clear three to five year plan and we're working with experts who've been doing this a lot longer than us to help strategize that. And we're really trying to be present and enjoy what we're doing right now. I feel like we're working smarter, not necessarily harder because um we're hiring a team that can support the growth and we just want to do good business and we'll see where that takes us. Yes. Well, when we talked in 2020, you had a team of about 16. How uh-huh. large is it now? We're about 24, 24, oh, wow. 25. Yep. Okay, yeah. great. And still, re- still hiring or that that's good for now? Yeah, no, we're definitely hiring. I'm, I love being a part of the hiring process and we are interviewing weekly for different departments. So um, we've more than doubled our sales last year and we have projections to double our sales next year. So with that comes comes building out a team to support that. Yes. Well, last question. Can you give us a sneak peek into this five or 10 year plan? What's to come for the brand? Well, more growth, uh, more exclusive capsules for cleobella.com more events, which I look forward to potentially in the next three years at our retail locations, which sounds exciting. 
And new categories. Um, we are looking to launch a home collection next year. And um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of exciting exciting things in the works. Oh my God. Will the home collection be something like your backdrop right now? <laughs> uh, it could be, it could be, yeah. You know, uh, the handmade, um, quality that's Cleo Bella, um, everything that's block printed or hand carved, which is my backdrop here from Indonesia and, and the brass lamp from Morocco. That's definitely infused. I mean, it's, it's, it's really who we are and it's what we love. And, um, And so I think that'll be similar in the essence of Cleo Bella Home. It makes perfect sense for you guys. Well, I'm so, so happy for you and all your growth. Angela, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Jill. I enjoyed it. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to The Glossy Podcast.